week we were talking about uh, the power of one day, the, the power of, um, of change in your life and how it, uh, it can happen. That one day in the middle of like every day can make a difference for everything. And uh, there was a quote by a guy named Kevin Gerald I shared last week that just said this, there's no greater witness of God's greatness than a life that's changed. And that's something that, you know, anybody who's had a face-to-face, a real direct encounter with God, hey Zane, uh, a real direct encounter with God would have, um, would know that. You just know that, you know what, there is this one day, there was a day that I can look at and say, you know what, that's when everything changed. I didn't, it, it's not perfect, my life is definitely not perfect, but something happened back then that now my life is on a different course, it's on a different path, and there's something that's, that happened deep down inside. And maybe for you it was at Promise Keepers, maybe for you it was last Sunday, it was actually really cool. After church last Sunday, a few of you came and said, hey, you know what, can I just talk to you for a second? And, and just with that gl- glimmer in, in their eyes, they're like, today, I just want you to know, today was my one day. I, I just want you to know that today it happened for me. God got a hold of my heart and, and I want to spend, you know, the rest of my life living for him. I get it. I understand it. And that was, uh, it was just really, really neat. Uh, and then we also challenged uh, last week to think about the, the, the crippled people that are in your everyday. We talked about Peter and John, how they were going to the temple, doing what they did every day. And yet there was a, and there was a crippled man at the gate with, that he was doing what he did every day. And yet on that, on that one day, something changed where they saw the person. It's not that they just saw him and, and gave him the handout that he thought he wanted. They reached out to him. They reached out and helped pull him up. And that was a challenge we gave you last week to say, you know what, are we going to be people that as a church are going to reach out to those around us that we see every day? They're crippled with insecurity, crippled with uh, pain, sin, uh, addictions, uh, just different things to say, I'm going to give you a handout. I know what I got, and it's good. And I wanted to kind of um, carry on with that a little bit this morning because I I believe that there was something, you know, with the excitement level of people uh, connecting with uh, last week. I want to encourage you this morning to take that one step further because I think probably the greatest story ever of someone reaching out to, to, to help someone else and pull them up is the season that we're celebrating right now, Christmas. The fact that God so loved the world is true. The fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever b- would believe in him would not perish, would not die eternally, but would have eternal life, is an incredible story of someone uh, uh, reaching out and saying, you know what, I'm going to give them a hand up. I'm going to give them something that they don't have. And that's the good news that we have to share with, with our world. This is one of the greatest seasons, you know, Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And some of you are looking at me and like, you know what? Yeah, maybe for everyone else. But you know, in my life, there's, there's so often you see it's not the truth for people that we know that statistically depression is at its highest in the month of December. That there is, there is a lack of joy, you know, around the Christmas season for, for many, many people. That there's a lot of, um, you know, fights at the mall. I watched a video of uh, Good, um, not Good Friday, Black Friday. <laughs> and it was like watching people just going crazy to get that, that next little piece of plastic that's going to gonna do it for them. Going to bring joy into their life. And they're willing to fight through crowds to get it. And you realize there's something that, that's missing on the inside. Stress, anxiety are at their highest levels now. And in a month from now, debt will be at its highest. The most money ever spent on Black Friday was spent on this Black Friday. Why? Because people are, 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 are there's, there's a need on the inside. They're, they're like that, that crippled man at the gate reaching out for what they think that they want. 
And yet, we learned last week, there's something more than that. And Jesus gave us the Great Commission saying, go out into all the world. Go and preach the gospel. Go and share the good news with people. And he said, well, what does that look like? At Christmas, we sing a lot of different Christmas carols. And I realized that there's, there's very few Christmas carols about the shepherds. There's uh, not many at all. Uh, and, and yet, they're, they're an integral part of what happened in the Christmas story. And as I was looking it up, I realized why we don't sing very many Christmas carols about the shepherds. Because, you know, there's the one, well, shepherds watch their flocks by night. Uh, anybody, anybody know that one? It's one of your all-time favorites. Let's sing it together. While shepherds wash their socks by night, all seated on... You see, you guys don't know it. I knew you didn't know it. We don't sing it much. And here's the reasons why. That, that you know, the third verse is, is written like this. Thus spake the seraph, and forthwith appeared a shining throng of angels praising God, and thus addressed their joyous song. You know, stuff we, 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 would, we wouldn't be able to sing if we tried. And I realized, you know what? Scrap it. We're not doing that one this year. But I realized that there's not many songs we can do about the shepherds at all. And, and yet, that's the... I was hoping, you know, I want to talk about the shepherds this morning, and there's just really very few Christmas carols that go along with it. So we're just going to go from the Bible. It just says in Luke chapter 2, it says, it says this. Are you there? Almost. Sweet. Luke chapter 2. Actually, I'm just going to tell you most of the story here. In verse, verse 6, it starts where it just says it's the night that Jesus was born. Mary had, uh, had uh, baby Jesus and then wrapped him in a manger. It says, then an angel, he went out and spoke to these shepherds in the field. They, they're just doing what they do every night. They're, just, they're out there watching, watching the sheep, just regular, regular, ordinary day. And it says an angel appears to them suddenly. And that's in verse, uh, verse 9. And it says, they were terrified, but the angel said, I bring you good news. It'll bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah that you've been waiting for. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. You'll recognize him by this sign. It says... Um, you're going to find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And then all of a sudden the angel's like joined by a heavenly host of other angels. They're all singing, you know, this major concert. It's, it's like Trans-Siberian Orchestra, the very first edition. And they're like they're having this awesome thing of glory to God in the highest. And all of a sudden it's all gone. And, and, and the, the shepherds are like, okay, man, let's go check this out. You know, let's go see if, if what the angel said is true. So they run off to... Um, to Bethlehem, and it says they, they actually find the baby exactly uh, the way that the angel said. And in verse 17, it says this, after seeing him, uh, after seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. See, this is the shepherds one night. You know, like this is the, this is like the one day part two. One, th- this one night, all of a sudden they see Jesus for the very first time and they know what it means to meet him is that he's the savior of the world, including them. And it says they, they go out and they tell everyone. Now, just picture this for a second. It's probably two or three o'clock in the morning. And you know, anybody here love getting phone calls at two or three in the morning? I thought so. I'm going to call you. Uh, at 2 or 3 in the morning is sometimes when, when I get a phone call at 2 or 3 in the morning, I realize that that's bad news. That, that's, normally that phone call is not going to be good. Uh, except the other day I won a cruise at uh, 3 a.m. And I was like, thanks for that. You know? uh, but, 
But normally there's nothing good uh, that happens at that time. And we think, you know, if we had heard this news or if we had heard something, it's, it's, it's something Im- impressive happened. You know, like in my house where Maddox says, you know, Daddy, you're my favorite. You know, I, w- I would think, man, that's pretty amazing. I'm going to call all my friends. Hey, Joe Vaz, guess what? You know, I know it's 2 a.m., but Maddox put a whole sentence together. It's pretty amazing, man. He's like, G- give me a break, man. Just forget about it. These guys had something that they said, you know what, we're going to cross all the cultural, you know, uh, barriers and Canadian belief systems of, hey, this is what's okay and, and, and appropriate. They didn't, they didn't listen to any of that. It's just, they just went around and told everyone what, was, um, what had happened and, and uh, who this Jesus was. See, because their lives were directly affected by meeting Jesus for the very first time, even though he was just a baby at the point. Because it says after that, the very end of it says, they went back to the fields rejoicing and praising God. Real interesting thing is that they met Jesus, they told everyone, and yet it didn't turn into, oh, now these guys, they have got this special ministry, like Rock the Flock Church all of a sudden starts, and you know, out in the field, and these guys are like, yeah, I'm like the, you know, the, the shepherd now, and now I'm actually, you know, I'm a shepherding pastor, and they, and they thought, hey, now we're going to go into ministry. But it wasn't like that at all. They were still ordinary guys, went back to their ordinary jobs, but now they were praising and glorifying God, giving Him credit for something that happened in their lives. And I want to challenge and encourage you that, that every one of us falls into that category of once we've met Jesus, there's, there's that thought of sharing it with everyone, telling your story to everyone and anyone. And, and you know, the, 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 the angels and the shepherds is kind of a cool story because, you know, they got led to Jesus by an angel. Like if an angel came to you and all of a sudden appeared in your house one night and said, hey, you know what, I'm going to tell you, this is this is the way to have real life. This is the way your sins can be forgiven. This is, this is, the, way, um, this is the way of salvation. Be like, okay, you know, I saw this vision. I know, that's, I know that's true. And you'd be like the shepherd and say, you know, what? I'm going to go do that. But that's the only guys that that ever really happened to. Most of these guys, it didn't happen that way. There was somebody else involved in their story of one day. When their one day changed, somebody else was involved. Like Becca, last week we told her story. Um, Becca... If you weren't here, get the CD or whatever. Uh, uh, grab the podcast online. Uh, but Becca's story just talked about how her life was before the one day she met Jesus, for real. And you know what? You know who was in that story? There was someone else in the in the background of that story. Her name was Libby. Libby was a girl that also goes here, and she um, she was asking every every week for months and months. Hey, will you come to youth group with me? We're we're good friends. Would you come to youth group? Would you check it out? And because of that. Because of somebody saying, hey, would you just come and see what this is all about? Becca came to youth group, came to uh, the battle cry event, and in front of thousands of people, stood up on her own and shouted at the top of her lungs, I want the cross. I want Jesus for me. And the rest of her life, she said, has changed incredibly. And you see that in her. You know, we have a woman named Sheila that goes here. And Sheila had a Brian who stopped, uh, you know, and was talking to her on the side of the road. For myself, my story involved a woman named Gerhild Fulson, uh, who uh, thought, yep, some people know her. This, this woman took the time after, you know, doing regular Sunday school every single week to say, I'm going to talk to this 12-year-old kid, you know, about, about Jesus and who he really is. And it caught my interest and led me to Jesus. And my life has never, never been the same. I'm on a different path. Never, ha- never have it all together, but I'm on a different path because of someone. Now, I think about it. how many of you here this morning who know Christ, you're a follower of Jesus. There was someone involved in your being here. Think about it for a second. Who was it? Who was that? 
Maybe there was more than one person. But I want to challenge you with the thought that that's the same for every person who is not here this morning, is that they need a someone to help them with their one day. Turn to John chapter 1. The very first disciples, the very first followers of Jesus had this exact same understanding as they began to follow Christ for the very first time. It says some kind of unique things about them. John chapter 1 and verse, go to verse 40. It says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who heard what John said. So there's a little bit of history. Andrew was actually one of John's disciples, John the baptizer. Uh, and so John, he had said, hey, this Jesus that, that, that's come after me, he's actually the one you want to follow. He's the one. So go find out where he lives and go, go become a follower of him. So Andrew's one of the guys who hears John say this. And he says, it says, and then he followed Jesus. And in verse 41, Andrew went to find his brother Simon. It says, he, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, which also means rock. So Andrew meets Jesus for the very first time. He has his one day experience with Jesus. And what does he do? He goes out to find his brother, Peter. He goes intentionally to look for him. Anybody play hide and seek still? Some, yeah, you know what? It's either, right, it's either the kids that play or parents with children that play hide and seek. And, and playing hide and seek, like in my house, is so fun. Uh, my kids are just at that age where it, it's, it's re, you know, really just one of the things you can do at any time. You know, they're, they're going crazy. You know, okay, let's play hide and seek. Whoa! And they're off. And you know what? For me, I realized that when I play hide and seek, I'm not intentionally looking for my children. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm the seeker, I know where they're going to be because they're always going to be where I was hiding last time. That's, uh, you know, if I was in the cupboard, then, and I'll go count, they're going to be in the cupboard. I just know it, uh, wherever it is. But you make it look good. You, you still walk around. You know they're like in this area, but you're like, are you under here? No. And then you walk, are you guys over here? No. And, and by then they're giggling away and you know, you know, they're right with Brian here giggling in the corner. You know, hey, are you over here? Yeah. You know, you find him. It's like, oh, okay, it's time to count. Dad, you go hide. And then I'll go hide under the stairs and wait for the kids to go up the stairs. And they're like, dad, where are you? I'm like, downstairs. And they run down the stairs and, and they're like, dad, where are you? Upstairs. And they're like, what? How did he do by this? He's crazy. And they'll go up and down like 15 times before they rip, figure out that he's actually underneath the stairs. Uh, my kids are, uh, they're just a lot of fun. I, they're, maybe they're doing what I'm doing to them, you know, they're just making it look good uh, before they find me. But, and just doing a way better job. But my kids, I realize that in this, this whole thing of seeking and finding them, it's not very intentional, but it does really look good. And yet as a church sometimes, as people, I, I, more of today is a reminder than a rebuke. It is one of those things of reminding you of what you've been really good at as a church is intentionally seeking and finding people and bringing them to Jesus. That there's a thing of sometimes where you say, hey, you know what, it sounds good. You're like, yeah, yeah, it's right. You know, we should be going out and preaching the gospel. Amen, Mark, you go do it. You know, that, that, that sounds good. Uh, there's the thought of actually going out to do it ourselves, we think, yeah, you know what, last week, yeah, I raised my hand. I, I want to be somebody who's looking for the crippled people in my everyday, and it sounds good. I'll pray with somebody. But is it actually intentional, or do we get stuck at the spot of just having good intentions? 
We say, yeah, you know, my good intentions are that I'm, this week I'm going to reach out to somebody. Or are we intentional saying, hey, you know what? No, I, I'm going to reach out to somebody, and this is who they are. It says Andrew went looking for Peter. He knew who he was looking for, and because of it, Peter had his one-day experience with God and became a great apostle, you know, one of the pillars of the church of his time. You know what? The one thing I notice here is that he went looking for his brother, his own family members. You know, this Christmas season, you're going to have the opportunity to be around your family members who don't know Christ. And I would challenge you today to even start thinking about that, God. You know what? Yeah, I want to be intentional uh, about sharing you, about introducing you to, to my family members, to go out and find them and, and bringing them to Jesus. And we're going to look a little bit more at what that actually looks like. John chapter 1, verse 43, it carries on. It's the very next day. Jesus is out with the guys uh, and has two new followers, um, Andrew and Simon Peter. And it says the, next, the very next day, he, he finds a guy named Philip. And it says, he says to him, come follow me. So Philip was from the same town as Andrew and Peter. And Philip went to look for Nathaniel. What? Philip went to look for Nathaniel. He meets Jesus, and what does he do? He goes and he looks for his friend, Nathaniel, and says, um, once he finds him, he says, we found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph, and he's from Nazareth. They're like, hey, Nathaniel, you got... I've met somebody who's changed my life. You know, I want you to come and see this guy. And, and Nathaniel says this, what? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like seriously, uh, no, I'm not coming. And Philip's like, hey, you know what? Come see for yourself. I'm not, I'm not fooling. This, is, this guy is legit. And uh, Nathaniel's like, I don't know. But he goes with them. And it says, and as they approached, it said, uh, Jesus says this, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And Nathaniel overhears that. And most of us would be like, Yep, thanks, Jesus. That's a pretty good compliment. But not Nathaniel. He says, how do you know about me? And, and Jesus says to him, you know, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip ever found you. And all of a sudden, Nathaniel's like, whoa, whoa, dude, you're right. This guy is God. He is the Messiah that we've been praying for. And something happens there. You know, you look at this, a lot of times it's the same thing for us. We're, we're you know, sharing sharing things with other people. Maybe intentional for you is like saying, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask people, you know, what they did last weekend because I, I hope they're going to ask me what I did. You know, and so when they say, hey, what'd you do last weekend? Man, I had an awesome weekend. I went to church. And you know what your response will often be? It's a response like Nathaniel. What? <laughs> Seriously, man, nothing good happens at church. Like you, you are a loser or boring or you got a crutch or something because that just is not... that. Cool weekend and church, and some of you have been there twice. You know, you went Saturday night and Sunday. Like, you seriously have problems, man, because that's not fun. And, and, and sorry, I wasn't, I, that, was, uh, that was inferred. That wasn't, uh, never mind. So there's, there's this thought, though, right, where you think, hey, people have, you know, anybody ever said that church is boring? But here's the thing, what, what happened with, uh, with Nathaniel and Philip is that Philip realized that, you know, that people don't know what people don't know. And Nathaniel didn't know what Nathaniel didn't know. He didn't even know that he didn't know it. He didn't know that what was coming up was actually true, that this Jesus from Nazareth was actually quite something. And a lot of times we have this, this thought, you know, people, they don't know what they, what they need. 
They have no idea. We looked at it last week. The crippled man was asking for a handout because that's what he thought he needed. But what he actually needed was what they had. And they realized, hey man, this guy doesn't know what he doesn't know. He doesn't realize that there's something so much better than a handout. There's people who say, you know what? No way. Like Becca, I'm not going to church. I'm not going to youth group. Like seriously, that is like, I'm going to go have fun and party because that's what I think is going to be good for me. And yet afterwards she realizes and looks back and her story says the very thing that I thought was going to be good for me wasn't. And it was what my friend Libby had that is what I, that's who I wanted. And she didn't know that she didn't know until she got here. And there's people in the same thing in your world, your friends, people you know that don't know what they're missing. They don't realize when, when they respond saying, hey, you know what? No, nah, thanks. I don't really think I want to go to church. They don't realize. You know, they might think church is boring, but they don't know what they don't know. You know, they might think church has, is irrelevant to my life. Well, they don't know what they don't know. You know, they might think church has, you know, no coffee and they're going to charge you for the food. They don't know what they don't know. You know, they might think God is angry and God is, you know, upset at them and God doesn't love them or wouldn't care about them. And and the fact is they don't know what they don't know. They don't realize. And some of you think, hey, you know what? I I don't know if I I could go out like Philip and, and, and tell my friend Nathaniel the whole good news message. You know, oh, no, hey, hey, buddy, I got something to share with you, you know. Um, oh, the four points. Yeah, point number one. Uh, God made a perfect world. Sin wrecked it. Uh, Jesus fixed it. And you can have it. Want to come to church with me? And, and they're like, what? You know, it's like, I don't, I don't know, man. God, you're more crazy than I thought. Um, but it's, for some, it's just a simple thing of, hey, would you want to come to church with me? And they might be like the phantom, nah, you know, that's kind of crazy. You know what? Say, well, listen, you know, I, I go, I've met Christ, and I kind of like it. And I think you might as well. There's something pretty simple there. There's something that just says, hey, you know what? Come see for yourself. Because if they have a chance to come see for themselves, guess what? They got a story. Every person you know has a story, and he knows it. He knows their story. So when Nathaniel came, he wasn't coming to meet Jesus. He, he didn't even care. He thought, this guy is going to be not worth my time. I'm going to, Naz- you know, to meet a guy from Nazareth. That's, where, like, that's like Dunville. You know? That's like, the, who needs to meet anybody from there? So he's like, I'm going here to, to, to meet this. <laughs> I just made sure you're awake. I'm going, there. I'm going there to meet this guy, right? And it's like not going to be worth my time. But guess what happens? All, all Philip said is, hey, you come with me and I'll let Jesus do the rest. I'll, I'll invite my friends to church and I'll just let God do the rest. Because how many times has it happened where somebody was here and all of a sudden like, man, you, Mark, when you were speaking, something spoke to me. You were like talking right to me. It's like you knew my life or something, and I don't. But he is talking right through to people's hearts. He knows their story. He talks to Nathaniel and says, hey, man, I, I, know, I knew you. When you were sitting under a fig tree, before Philip ever found you, I knew that you were there. And he's like, wow, there's no way this guy knew this. It spoke his language right to him, and instantly he had his one day. See, there's a purpose of this whole season of Christmas that that God is still on a mission to reach people. But he calls it the great commission because it takes cooperation. People bringing people to Jesus. I want to read you a story the young guy from our church, it says this, I grew up going to church every Sunday when I was young. I prayed before bed and when I woke up. After a couple years, my family stopped going to church. So I started going to church in Anacoke with my grandma. But it wasn't the right church for me, so I stopped going for a couple years. And during that time, I got in a lot of fights at school. I got suspended a lot. I had an emptiness in my heart. 
And about a year ago, my friend Tara introduced me to Mark, and he invited me to Kingsway, and I decided to go with him. When I got there, I was amazed at how good everyone got along and how happy everyone is. After the first sermon, I was hooked. I actually listened to the messages and began to understand what church and Jesus were really all about, and I decided that I wanted to follow Jesus. I decided that I wanted to follow Jesus. Things began to change in my life after that. I started being good in school. I started doing my schoolwork. I stopped fighting and started setting a better example for my younger brother and sister. Everything is not perfect in my life yet, but it's a whole lot better now that I've chosen to follow Jesus. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away and the new has come. You know, I think about that. I realize that there's another just one thought in this is that there was people involved in his uh, story, people involved in his life. Every person that's, that ever comes out is, is here because there's, a, there's somebody inviting them. I think about Bella Vaz. How old is she? Ten. She's got two little girls here. I met them at McDonald's this week. Their names are Haley and Emily, and they ran over to us at McDonald's just to talk, just, you know, and they're, they're smart. They love church because their friend invited them and said, you know what? Why don't you come and check out church with us? And that's, that they've been here. And you know what? God's got an opportunity to mold and shape their life, to live uh, something different, to be an influence in their own parents' and grandparents' lives because one 10-year-old girl for a few years ago already invited her friends. You look at this. You know, I want to I challenge and encourage you with the thought that you play a part in, every, in people's uh, getting them to Jesus. There's a story in Luke I want to end with this story. In Luke chapter 5, there's a story of a, a few friends. It actually starts in verse 17 by saying one day. And we know that, you know, every time there's a one day, something good is really uh, going to happen. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. Seeing that these guys always showed up in, uh, from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was present there. And strong, it was strongly with Jesus. It says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, and they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So, you know what? There's, it's, well, it says, Then they went up on the roof and took off some tiles, and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy because only God can forgive sins. But you know what? I want to give you a little illustration. I was going to bring, a, um, I was gonna bring a, uh, a, an actual blanket or whatever, but I just need a volunteer. Who can sit on this? There you go. Gray, you're up. You're up. I need, uh, I need some strong men. Where's the strong men? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. He can do it all by himself, actually. Um, Harry, Mark, yeah, Scott, uh, I don't want to injure you, so just be careful. Scott, you'll be my final guy. But if you, if you look at it, you got, you got four guys here, four friends of this young guy. And this young guy represents people in your life. He represents either your friends, a co-worker, somebody in your life. And he's got people already working in his life that we don't know about. For instance, he's got his, his uh, grandfather, who's a praying grandfather. Sorry, you don't look like grandfather, but you know what? <laughs> Sam. I don't know who else to pick. You know, he's, he's a praying grandfather, and he's praying that his, his young grandson would come to know the Lord. And, and then he's got also, you know, his high school buddy uh, from high school who's a Christian, who's a good influence in his life. And that guy, he's, he's in the picture as well. And, and so, and then, and then they got, um, 
his uh, bodybuilding coach from, you know, uh, from, from, from school, you know, from, from preschool or whatever, that says, hey, you know, I'm going to get these kids, like, pumped up. And, and he says, but he's, he also has been saying, you know, hey, buddy, you know, you should, would you like to check out church sometime? How's your spiritual life going? What's happening on the inside? You know, what do you do every weekend? I don't know. Like, I'm seven. You know, what do I do every weekend? It's, he's got this, this thought of people around him. But I just with, you know, picking up one leg, I'm not going to, just so we don't kill this little, little guy, but if they all just picked up one, you know, one leg, it's going to be unsteady, and he might just fly off the, the side because he's, might, he's missing somebody. There's somebody still in this picture that's, that's missing, and Scott represents you. He represents you that, you know, in, in every one of these situations, it says these, these four friends, and we're not saying it has to be four. For some people, it takes a hundred. But there's people in his life that say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of bringing my friend to Jesus. So they all four grab on and, and pick him up, and they bring him, they, they, they bring him back to the front here. So um, they bring him to Jesus. I know, how's it feel to be the king? It's pretty good, eh? Sweet. Please give our uh, volunteers a hand. Sweet, I'll, we'll put it there. Or take it with you. Um, best seat in the house. Luke chapter 5, it says this. Something we just, as we were reading, it says that some men carried him to Jesus. They carried them um, to Jesus. And in verse 20, it says this, that Jesus seeing their faith. It doesn't say he saw the man's faith, which happens so many times in the Bible where it was the person's individual story that God, through Jesus, said, I see your faith and now you're healed. He didn't say that in the situation. He says, I see their faith. I see the people surrounding this guy. I see his friends who care so much about him that they're going to do whatever it takes to get him to Jesus. He says, I see that. And what happens? He Does he say you're healed? No. He says your sins are forgiven you. Something happens on the inside of this young guy because people got around and carried his mat. They carried him to Jesus. And I want to encourage you that there's, that there's, there's, there's people in your life that are on that mat that, that need to find their way to Jesus and they need you. Look at, look at the story I just read. His parents took him to church when he was a kid. They got one corner. You got his grandmother who continued to take him to church, had that corner. There was a neighbor named Tara who talked to this person about, about not knowing Jesus, carrying the mat. And, and I got to be the, have the privilege of being the fourth person, the final person in that, to bring him to church, to bring him to Jesus and see a life that is changed. Do you know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14? Do we have it up there? It says, but now how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? See, there's an incredible responsibility on all of us to be the ones who go and who tell what Jesus has done. And so, you know what? Maybe you think, maybe you think it's difficult and you think, oh, I don't know. Maybe they're going to say no. Let me speak to your worst fears for a second. Maybe you feel like they're going to be like, you know, I don't, even, I don't even know how to ask. I don't even know if I have all the right words to say. It's not too difficult to say, hey, you know what? I was, I was at church on Sunday. Would you like to come? Would you like to come check out our, check out our, uh, check out our church? Take them to the place where they would meet Jesus. Because I believe this is a place where people can meet Jesus, where their one day can happen, just like it was that house that day. And maybe you're worried they're going to say no. Well, you know, that's going to happen. And guaranteed that that's um, going to be a possibility. 
but, you know, maybe you think they're going to think I'm weird. You know, if I ask them that question, they're going to think I'm weird. Well, if you're living a life for Jesus already and you just haven't asked them this question, they already think you're weird. Just saying. They, they, they already think there's something a little off, and they'll be like, oh, I get it now. Okay, you go to, you go to church, and, and it's like, that's why you're smiling all the time. That's why you're like the best employee at this company. That's why there's all these things. Or maybe you're like, you know what? Actually, it was the opposite I was thinking, you know, that they're going to be like, what? You go to church? Man, you're more screwed up than me. You know, like, what? you're inviting me to your church, and you're like a, you're a mess. You can let them know that Kingsway is a place for... Uh, for, for screw-ups and for mess-ups and that people that are here don't have it all together yet. You can even tell them our pastor doesn't even have it all together. Uh, it's not because that's what it is. It, we, it's not like we, we, um, we get good to get God. It's like we get God so that we can get good in our lives. That's, there's, there's something in that change that we just got to change that, that whole thought that Kingsway, we are a place, a church for unchurched people. That, that, that there's people that can feel like they can come here and realize, wow, everywhere else I've gone, I don't feel accepted. But here they come through the doors and they feel loved, accepted, uh, forgiven, and encouraged because that's who we are. And I want to challenge and encourage you to be a bringer, to keep bringing people and saying, hey, you know what, will you come and will you, would, you, would you be willing just to come to our church? Because you know what, at Christmas time, you're going to have great opportunities for that to happen. Maybe you're one of the, in, the, in a group, maybe their answer is going to be no. But you know what? It was probably no for grandpa on one corner of the mat. It was no for the, the bodybuilding teacher on one corner of the mat. It was no for the high school friend on one corner of the mat. And it was yes for Scott. Because the Bible says that some plant, some water, but God's the one who brings the growth. God's the one who brings that thing. I want to challenge you with that thought that maybe it's like saying, hey, we don't really have to be so scared because in one sense we say the responsibility is all on you. Go, how are they going to hear unless someone tells them? I want to say that the second part is also true, that not all the responsibility is all on you. You might be playing one part in that thing, one, one chance of saying, hey, by asking somebody, you're picking up your corner of the mat, and through that, through some chance, they might come to know Christ, and eternity will be changed for that person. The, the, the rest of their life, their history, could be changed as a result of one person. And like I said before, this cross... And the manger tell me one thing, that God is still on a mission. He's still on a mission, and he wants to do it through you. It's not going to be angelic visitation. It's going to be some ordinary people with ordinary jobs, real people living real life who share the good news everywhere like the shepherds. The greatest experience in our lives is when we experience one day. When we experience a day when Jesus washes everything away and you feel like, man, I, I got a new start. I'm forgiven. I don't have any shame anymore. I don't have any, the guilt is gone. I, you know, I wake up and I'm, I, I live my life in freedom. I've got purpose and a reason to live. That's the greatest thing. It really is. But the second greatest thing is being able to be a part of someone else's one day. That's the, you know, sometimes we look for joy and we look for happiness. We're like, how come we can't find it anywhere? I can tell you that in giving of what you have, you will find that it does something on the inside. You know, there's another uh, Christmas carol that's called Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it everywhere. The guy who wrote it, I know, sorry, I shouldn't sing. Um, the guy who wrote it, wrote this verse. He says, when I was a seeker, I sought both night and day. I was seeking the Lord to help me, and he showed me the way. Think, you know, there's something about that today that brings me to the end. Whereas this thought that maybe you're here this morning and you're the seeker in this song, 
that you're saying, you know what, when you talk about this one day and this life with Jesus and, you know, no guilt, no shame and a, and a fresh start and, and living for God and eternity in heaven, I don't understand all of that. I don't know if, you know, I've accepted Christ into my life. I'm pretty sure I haven't because when you talk about it, you say that you'll know. I just don't know if I know. Today you can know. Today could be your one day. And this whole month of December, we want to give that opportunity every single Sunday. If you bring in your friends, they're going to get the opportunity to say, today could be my one day that I could receive Jesus, that I could receive what, what, the, what the manger and the cross is all about. This morning, uh, you guys have bulletins and whatever else around you. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning, but I want you to grab that piece of paper. I'll explain to you what you're going to do in a second. Uh, you can borrow pens and different things as well. But this morning, maybe you're saying here, you know what, that's me. I'm the person who's looking, you know, I'm looking for purpose and meaning in my life. I'm looking for a fresh start. That's what I want. We're going to pray for you this morning. We're going to pray for you. But the second is the teller. Maybe you're here this morning, you realize, you know what, as I look at my life, I realize that I have not been intentional about seeking out people. Yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've had a one day where I know that God changed my life. I know I don't have it all together, but I know that, that I've gotten, uh, experienced God for real. I, I know that, and yet I'm not intentional about going out and sharing it with others. Through this season, when God's working in other people's lives and stories, I want to ask you to say, God, I want to be intentional about this And I'm going to ask you as we pray, maybe you already know, to write down the name of the person just on that that piece of paper of who you're going to go out and ask. You're just going to go out and invite. You're not guaranteeing their answer. That's not up to you. But you're saying, you know what, I'm going to pick up my corner of the mat. I'm going to go and ask. And maybe God, just maybe, maybe they're not going to say no. Maybe they're going to say yes. So this morning as we pray, if you think, sit here and go, you know what, I don't even have a name. I I'm like you were at Promise Keepers a couple weeks ago, Mark. We were sitting there and they said, hey, pray for somebody. And you got nobody to tell because you're just not being intentional. I realize at this point that to see that, to see that change could mean the difference for eternity. So this morning, if you're the person in the first thought who said, hey, you know what? I want to receive Jesus this morning. I want to start life over. I, I want to receive forgiveness this morning. We're going to pray that prayer. And what I want you to do is I want you to write your own name on that sheet of paper this morning. Write your own name. So this morning, if there's people here, I'm just going to get everybody to bow their heads real quick. Just give people a chance to be honest and real. But uh, if you're here this morning and, and you're that person, you say, you know what, I, I don't know Jesus, but I want to. I, uh, I want a fresh start. I want forgiveness. I know that I've, I've messed up my own life and I'm, I'd like to give that to God and, and take his life instead. I'm willing to make that that switch, that swap, that change. And I want to do that today. I want today to be my one day. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do it. Yeah, see you. Figured there would be people here this morning again. Yeah, see you. Cool. Anybody else before we pray? Would you join me in a prayer? And just as a, as a church family, would you pray these words along with them? I'll uh, repeat the, the, these words that it gives them a chance as they're praying to God that that life change would happen. Would you say, uh, God, I know that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you gave your life for my sin. 
And I receive your forgiveness right now. I receive your love. And Jesus, I give you my life to to do with it as you please. God, I want to live for you and not for me. And I want to be a difference maker. Father, I just pray for them right now that as they've made this decision to follow you, that they would experience your presence right now on the inside, that something on, that that their spirit would come alive inside and they would know it, that uh, as they leave this place, they know that something different happened today in their life. And I pray you surround them with with good influences, surround them with people that are gonna continue to encourage and strengthen them in, in their walk with you. And Father, right now, I pray for the rest of us here this morning. God, as we are followers of you, just like your followers in, in, in the New Testament, Lord, as they went intentionally to find others, to share the truth and the love and the life that you gave, God, I just ask right now that you would drop the name of the person, either the picture of their face or, or your name in the hearts and minds of, of every person here, of who you're working on, of who you're already wanting us to go and uh, reach out to this Christmas season. God, I thank you this morning for the fact that we get to work together in this. Lord, I pray for courage this this week for for people um, as they leave this place to go and speak and and ask the simple questions and find out where people really are at. God, I just pray for more change stories, more one days that are going to happen as a result of this time here this morning. God, I love you. Thank you so much for... uh, for Christmas and what it means. Thank you, Jesus, for sending, uh, for coming for us, uh, for giving your life for us. Lord, we love you a lot. We really do. Thank you for loving us first. It's in your name we pray. Amen.